Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. In the Meredith's class, may Hashem wash over all of the Jewish people and give tremendous strength to the IDF soldiers, including Netanel Haim ben Nahama, Moriah Orr, Bat Sandra, Mati ben Mazal, Na'a Bat Nitzhona, and Nachman ben Deganit. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebbitzins YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. Today, I am so happy to welcome Rebbitzin Haya Rivka Zwolinski back to our podcast. If you missed our first interview, it's up on our YouTube page and our podcasting apps, and you definitely need to check it out. It's definitely worth a listen. Hi, Rivka is a leading teacher of Rebbe Nachman of Brechtslov's Wisdom for wis Women in North America. She brings compassion and deep understanding of psycho-spiritual trauma, transition, and growth to her coaching, lectures, and workshops in community centers, synagogues, schools, and other venues, as well as online to students on six continents. As the founding director of both BrezlovWoman.org, and previously BRI woman, she has been teaching leading trips for women to the Jewish Ukraine and much more. Rebison Hayarivka is the author of numerous books, including Mashiach, Hope for Turbulent Times, which sounds definitely appropriate for what we're going through now. May, may you have a day and making every day better with the teachings of Rebbe Nachman of Breslov and many other books as well. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. So thank you for having me, Vera. It's really good to be back. And um, I just am very happy that you're continuing with your, your YouTube channel because I think a lot of people are benefiting from it. There's something for everybody on your channel. So it's, it's like a smorgasbord. <laughs> thank you. So um, I do, um, as you mentioned, a variety of classes and workshops and so on, books and, and everything. I do this in order to offer women the chance to discover themselves in a way that they might not otherwise be able to, and to learn more about their relationship with Hashem, as well as with other people. And one of the, I think right now, the most important things we're doing, um, are, aside from classes, is the writing workshop, the Breslov Creative Writing Workshop, as well as the Jewish Meditation Workshop, um, the Holy Self-Esteem Workshop. These workshops are relevant even today. And I also like to give women um, a chance to share what they've discovered. So I recently published a collection of my wonderful students' writings wow. called The Three-Cornered Shoe. And um, it's it really uh, shares the diversity uh, and beauty of the Jewish woman. Each piece is so different and so precious and and so skilled, very talented writers. And um, everybody's talking about the relationship with Hashem. So that's something to keep in mind. Now, oh, beautiful. It's gorgeous. I love that. Yeah. So that's that's my you know, that is my focus. And right now, um, Right now, I'm really heavily focused on taking Rebbe Nachman's various modalities and using them to help us have insights and to heal as we go along with this truly traumatic experience. And um, I would say that using all the tools that Rebbe Nachman gives us, whether it's music, whether it's dance, whether it's prayer, meditation, tehillim, psalms, um, he talks about, um, uh, you know, uh, a conscious hearing, conscious listening. He talks about breath work. Like there are so many different tools that we can use in order to strengthen ourselves during this time. So that's basically what I do. I love that. And I love it so much. There's not just one tool that people can use to, to strengthen their connection to Hashem. I love it that there's so many different modalities that people can use. I think it's amazing because sometimes sometimes prayer doesn't always resonate with people. Sometimes, like you said, it's, it's writing or it's dance or it's singing or it's some kind of movement that it just, you know, everybody has to connect to Hashem in the way that they personally connect with Hashem. And I just think it's so important um, and so great to know that there, if one way doesn't resonate with you, there are other ways to do it. Exactly. Re Rebbe Nachman offers us many different doorways into this kind of discovery process. And um, each doorway, or usually there could be more than one in a lesson, but usually there's a predominant one in one of his lessons. Each doorway might resonate with a different person 
at one point in their lives and then resonate again at a different point in their lives. So because we're all growing, we're not standing still. Right. Right. I love that. And it's, it's so juicy. And I, I you know, I definitely want to ask, um, can you talk about maybe like one or two of those doorways just so we can get people just in the mood? Sure. So for example, I'll give you a good fun example. How about that? Yes. So Rebbe Nachman speaks about the importance of a sigh. Okay. And he, this is his breath work mm-hmm. and he speaks about breath a lot, but we're going to focus on the sigh. He says that when a, when a Jewish person, when a, when a Jewish person who's struggling is that, oh, like a really good, oh, I call this the oi breath. And we breathe in the next breath in, we are completely reborn. Because that sigh is coming from a place of exhaustion with this world and an openness and willingness to connect to our creator. And therefore, we're taking part through the recreation of ourselves through this process. So that's one way. I can give you another if you want. Please. So I would like to talk about Hispoditus or Hippoditut, which is... um, it's a meditation, but it's different than any other type of meditation. This is the kind of meditation that all our uh, uh, Zadis and Bubbies did. Mm-hmm. It's a meditation in which we talk to Hashem as if he were our very best friend in the world. And it's a meditation that has to be done from the heart. And um, I'm making it very, very simple because it actually is very simple because after all, Hashem is very simple ultimately. And we just connect to Hashem in whatever way we can from wherever we're coming from. And that's the main thing is to connect to Hashem from wherever we're coming from because Hashem knows who you are. He knows who I am. He knows where we're coming from. He knows what our past has been. He knows how we feel. He knows how we think. And when we talk to him and unburden ourselves to him in in whatever way we can, we are hearing what we're saying. It's like therapy. We're hearing what we're saying. We're taking in a spoken version of ourselves that often doesn't get a safe place to express. This is a safe space. This is just you and Hashem alone. And we are not only benefiting from that, but we're benefiting from the just the simple fact that we're having time away from media, noise, busyness, um, um, uh, the, the hard realities of our material world. So that's that's another one in a nutshell. I really love that one. The hate bow do do the, the, the personal prayer. I do it all the time. I actually did it oh, this morning. Yes. Great. And, and, you know, something that you said really, really, um, it struck a chord with me because when you speak, it's so different than when you just think it in your head, you could be thinking to Hashem in your head, you really could be, and you could be praying silently in your head, but it's something different when you open your mouth and actually say the same words, the same words that you were thinking, once they come out of your mouth, it's transformative. It's, it's weird to, it's weird to say that, but if you really try it, if you really try thinking something to God and then actually opening your mouth and saying that it's completely different. And I find through, for me personally, when I connect to God through personal prayer, through talking to him, I get insights and downloads. Things, thoughts come into my mind that I would have never thought of on my own, that my friends maybe would not have thought to tell me that I couldn't have found in any book. And I get insights into my own personal problems, specific, specific problems. You know, it's fascinating. It's, so I, I love that you said that because the Rebbe actually says that when we speak to Hashem in this manner, we get a little, a little smidge of Ruach HaKodesh, a little, a little tiny little bit of prophecy. In other words, what is prophecy? It's really just receiving information from Hashem. That's what right. it is. So you get answers. You definitely get answers. So I'm glad that you've gotten some answers. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so I want to mention to our listeners and our viewers that we're recording this interview a few weeks after the terrorist group Hamas broke through Israel's border and massacred thousands of Jewish men, women, children, and and babies and elderly people too in a vicious, brutal attack in the south of Israel. So needless to say that everyone in Israel is completely devastated and they have declared war against Hamas. So outside of Israel, in countries like America, the anti-Semitism that we are seeing has become completely overwhelming. 
there are protests and rallies in major cities all calling for the deaths of Jews. And I do have to say that we're recording this today. I'm going to tell you the date. It's uh, November 9th, 2023. Today, New York City public schools are having something called a walkout, like in the middle of the day, in the middle of a class day, kids and teachers and professors and universities and high schools, they're able to get up and walk out in protest of the genocide that Israel is committing against the people in Gaza. That's their point of view. So I just wanted to t tell you the climate that we're talking about, you know, during the time that this interview is being conducted. So there are swastikas and vulgar graffiti about Jews written in subway stations and on building walls. On college campuses, professors are teaching anti-Israel rhetoric and they're supporting Hamas violence. The professors, the professors that we pay to teach our kids in school. They're supporting Hamas violence and Jewish students fear for their safety at school. And school should really be a place where all students feel safe. This is a very scary time to be a Jew because we're not only facing the pain over what's going on in Israel, but additional pain of seeing anti-Semitism escalate everywhere. And so I'm from New York and I'm talking about America, but it's happening in, in Berlin. It's happening in London. It's happening in France. It's happening all over the world. I just want to be honest about that. So today we're going to speak out about how to handle anti-Semitism from a psycho-spiritual perspective with insights from Rebbe Nachman of Breslov. So let's dive right in. So first of all, can you please explain to us what does it mean, psycho-spiritual? Like, what, what does that term mean? And then can you please share with us the psycho-spiritual perspective on anti-Semitism? Okay. So I, it's, first of all, that's an excellent question. I'm going to be very brief with my definition. I actually came up with the term maybe, I don't know, not quite 15 years ago. I was looking for a way to describe the close bond between our individual psycho psychology and our spirituality. And my husband's a therapist, a psychotherapist, and he has always said that Jews are very difficult to work with because, so funny. because of the neshama, because, oh, we're a stiff neck people, but, but because our spirituality must be taken into account when um, working with anyone. As a matter of fact, it really should come first. And I, I wanted women to understand that our thoughts, our feelings, and our emotions, our psychology, our psychological state is uh, so intertwined with our spiritual state that it's practically indivisible. And um, look, Breslov is, is defies systemization, but we can use bits and pieces of systems in order to apply Rebbe Nachman's teachings to get to the root of change, of psychological change, which is psycho-spiritual change. So I, I hope that general definition makes it you know, uh, uh, apparent. So I, I think with your next question, which was about um, a psycho-spiritual approach to anti-Semitism, we're going to start with a story by Rabbi Nachman. Great. It's called The Tainted Grain. And in this story, just keep in mind that grain, especially rye, produces a fungus. And when it rots, it can the fungus can go wild. And that fungus actually is the um, precursor to uh, a hallucinogenic called a LSD. So grain can actually cause hallucinations if it has this fungus. So once upon a time, there was a king and the king was also an astrologer. And he saw from the stars that that next year's crop of grain was going to be totally infected with this fungus that's going to make people lose their minds. And he wasn't sure what to do. He spoke to his uh, advisor and his close friend, the prime minister, and he said, what should we do? And his prime minister said, here's what we should do. We'll put aside enough grain for you and me and our families, and we'll eat the good grain and let everybody else eat the bad grain. And they'll be crazy. And the king said, look, he said, I, I don't like that idea. He said, first of all, they're going to be out of their minds. They're not going to see things clearly. And we're going to be uh, saying we're going to have very clear perceptions. And they're going to think we're the ones out of our minds. And that can cause a lot of conflict. So how about this? We all eat the tainted grain. And we'll all be 
of our minds. Our perceptions will not be clear. However, what you and I will do, my dear friend, the prime minister, is we'll make a mark on our foreheads. And when we see each other, we see that mark, we're going to say, oh, that's right. That's right. We're just eating this hallucinogenic grain. That's not reality. That's not really what we're going through. So what is this mark? This mark is um, this mark is is Torah, meaning the instruction of the Jewish people. I don't just I mean all of Torah. This is our Jewish wisdom. This mark is our Jewish spirituality. And right now, especially, the world has gone apparently crazy. We can't we can't you know. We can't get caught up in the wave, but we're caught up in it. And we mm -hmm. see people don't know good from evil. They don't know truth from lie. They can't discern things clearly. Perceptions are off. But every time I look at you, Vera, and you look at me, and we remember that we have Hashem, and we have our tzaddikim to help us, our righteous ones to help us, and we have Torah, we have all the, the thousands of years of Jewish wisdom, ah, we wake up and we see clearly. So that's what's going on in, in a nutshell. Um, it's always been going on. It was That's why Rabbi Nachman told the story. But right now it's going on more than ever. And it's, I, I want to say, look, we have to be real. This is really painful what's going on. This is real trauma. I, I don't know about you, but, the, but myself and the women that I speak with, nobody's sleeping well. You too. We're, we're waking up. We're finding ourselves crying for no reason. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, we get, you know, it's it's very, very traumatic. And most people who aren't Jewish don't care. They don't care. And people are reeling. And even people with very strong faith and trust in God are finding it difficult to maintain. It, it's just difficult. And during this period, it's as if Hashem is forcing us into a period of self-examination and a period where we have to understand that the whole world is choosing sides between good and evil. Every morning, we say a bracha, we say a blessing. First blessing we, we say in the list of blessings is we bless Hashem, we bless God for giving our hearts Okay, that includes our thoughts and feelings, the ability to discern between light and dark, between day and night, between good and evil, between truth and lies. And this is the foundation of our day. And if we say this blessing with a lot of kavana, a lot of focus, intent, what happens is, is that we are reminded that what is going on right now is all from Hashem. And it's something that has to play out in order for the worldwide redemption to come. Now, we have to modulate our emotions in order to be able to actualize this message that we do have the ability to see clearly. We do have the ability to know that the world's gone crazy, but we don't have to be crazy, right? Um, and so, so, for example, I would like to share some ways, if, if it's okay with you, Which? to cope. And I want to say that nobody's expected to cope perfectly. No one. Right. And there is, there's no point in invalidating how you feel. But there are ways to harness those feelings and to mitigate them and to soothe them at times where it's appropriate. Okay. So, for example, we mentioned he bodedut. And usually, he bodedut, we're focused on ourselves. But we can now move to a far more cosmic level of he bodedut because we can focus on the microcosm of a world, ourselves. Each Jew is a world, so we can focus on ourselves. We can focus on the Jewish people in Hitbodidu. We can talk about what it means to be part of the Jewish people. And we can also focus on the entire world because ultimately the entire world is going to have a geula, a redemption. And um, 
look, Rebbe Nachman described this time at the, this time, the birth pangs of Mashiach. He described this time as a cloth, like a tablecloth, being shaken, shook, shook, shook out, <laughs> shaken, thank you, out. Okay. And our job is to hang on. Our job is to hang on. And I want to tell people that if all day long, I can tell you, if all day long you're immersed in the, the, the negativity, it's very difficult to hang on. So, so one of the things, I mean, I have a whole bunch of things that we can do, but one of the, another thing that we can do is to um, be the bearer of good news, to consciously every day share one piece of good news, whether it's personal or political, it doesn't matter. It is Israel-based, a miracle you see, a miracle stories are abounding. It could be your personal good news. You got to raise. Share your good news with at least one person every day. Because Rebbe Nachman explains, and this is this when I was, when I, you know, I knew this before, but now it's so connected to Geula. I'm so excited about it. When we share good news, we are literally donning the cloak of Eliyahu Hanavi, of Elijah the prophet. Wow. And Eliyahu Hanavi is the one who announces the Mashiach. Yes. So, um, so that's one another thing that you can do. I love that. I love to be, consciously be the bearer of of, of good news of good yeah. news. We are inundated with your you're on social media or you're, or you turn on yeah. the TV or the radio. I mean, it's just this person died. This airstrike is going on. This protest is happening. You know, just, I love it. Even just to share on your social media feed or just call up a friend and just say, just good news. You know, it's so interesting because I'm actually part of a, uh, a special WhatsApp group. Um, and on this WhatsApp group is the, the the parents of IDF soldiers and the parents of IDF lone soldiers. So you have people who live in Israel and you have people who live outside of Israel, but the, what they have in common is that their children are serving in the army. I, my children are not serving in the army, but I just, by default, I happen to be in this group. There's a certain reason I'm in this group. And just today I was looking, the, the group is active 24 seven because remember there are people living all around the world. The people in South Africa are sleeping and the, when the people in New York are awake and it's vice versa, you know? So there's always somebody active on this group and they're sharing one woman's, um, uh, her, her, her son's unit, they were, they were given a day off and they were showing videos of how the, the sons went back home to the families and they still, so the children and their wives and their mothers were giving them hugs. Like it was so beautiful, like all just different videos showing that. And you can hear the people reply, this is beautiful. This is so uplifting. People right. need this right now. They want it. That's right. A hundred percent. Everybody wants it. And, um, I um I I also have a I've been also in WhatsApp groups and I I also have a WhatsApp group and I try to put out um, um day I do daily audio lessons and I try to keep them positive and posters with that people can share on them with you know hopefully positive messages because we need that right now that's not burying your head in the sand some people think truth is ugly and truth is not ugly truth is to ferret. Teferit is a sphera of harmony, beauty, compassion, and truth. And that is the sphera that I, I'm assuming your, your audience knows what a sphera is, that is associated with our forefather, Yaakov, Jacob. And truth is, is ours, the, the Jewish people. And it's, it's, we are called too, women are called, especially women are called Beis Yaakov. So we are of the house of Jacob, and therefore we have to embrace that uh, mida, that, that attribute, that quality of truth. And truth is beautiful. The real truth of what's going on is that um, there are mothers who love their sons. The real truth of what's going on is that the Jewish people love each other. We love each other. It's gorgeous. And by focusing on the positivity, by moving our thoughts towards the positive, we are, says Rebbe Nachman, literally creating our reality. And if more people would recognize that, you know, I understand. I'm either times where I'm angry too. I just like, how could this, it's so frustrating. The lies are just ridiculous. But, but the real truth, the real truth is the truth. And it's beautiful. 
I love that. I agree. I agree. Thank you for sharing that. And I do, many of my listeners, they do know what Sefirot is, but just for, you know, just in case they don't, I just wanted to just clarify that Sefirot are spiritual attributes. There are 10 main ones. And we were talking about Tiferet. So um, the spiritual attributes are located in different parts of the body. And it happens to be that Tiferet is between uh, Hesed, which is on the right side of the body, and Netzach, which is on the left side of the body, and it's in the middle. So Tiferet is really balancing the Hesed, the goodness, with um, the. Gavura. Oh, sorry, I apologize. Yes, Gavura. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, that's Gavura. Yes, I said in Gavura and Tiferet is in the middle, and Gavura is is more, more of judgment. So yeah. it's balancing goodness and judgment, and in the middle is Tiferet, and that's what we're talking about. Right, and that's that's the Jewish people where we have the the loving kindness and the giving of Chesed on the right, and we have the wise and mature restraint on the left. And that involves judgment. Judgment is only a, a four-letter word in like, you know, in like wokeism, but it's good to have judgment. We have to have judgment. And when we combine these, we get that harmony and beauty of truth. So I'm glad you explained it. That's good. Yeah. Lizzie Fair. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And so I'm going to, you know, based on everything that you said, I'm going to ask some very interesting questions that actually came in from, from a listener. Okay. Um, so as Jews, is there one set moral way about how we're supposed to feel about, about Hamas? Hamas is our enemy. Like it's just undisputed. Hamas is the enemy of the Jews. How are we supposed to feel about our enemy? Are we obligated as Jews to show compassion to our enemy? Because, you know, we have such mixed feelings. Like we hate, okay, I don't want to speak for other people, but I know that there's some Jews who, who really have very strong feelings of hate against Hamas, you know? And you know, others are like, well, are we, is, it, is it okay to hate them? How are we supposed to feel about them? So I want to see if there's a, a set way for the Judaism um, teaches us on how we should feel toward our enemies. Okay. So I don't know if there's one set way, but I will give you uh, my understanding from a Breslov perspective. So first of all, Hamas and its active supporters fall into the classification that Chazal says a rodef. A rodef is a pursuer of life. Anyone who pursues life to kill life or to rape is falls into this category and they must be stopped before they can achieve their ends. That is halacha. That is Jewish law. The details of it, not a rabbi, you'd have to ask a rabbi, but that is Jewish law. And we have to stop them without hesitation. When it comes to the Hamas and the supporters that we're facing here in America, and people are facing, you mentioned South Africa and, and Europe and also in Australia, quite a quite a oh, yes. terrible situation there. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to that, um, my view is that we have to be careful. My view is is that we have to protect our lives and the lives of our uh, fellow Jews as much as possible. We have to be active in this. For some people who are politically connected, they can do that and so on. Other people um, might have other ways of protection. Okay, this is all good. Um, but compassion can be misplaced. Um, compassion is a blend of judgment and mercy. Okay, that blend, that teferic, okay? Um, and it's, it's a blend of judgment and mercy. What, what maybe your viewer maybe is asking, should we have mercy on them? Because judgment says we have to be very wise in how we deal with people who want to kill us. Yes. So um, I do think that probably out of every thousand marchers who are calling for intifada, which is death to the Jews, or from the river to the sea, which is death to the Jews, saying just different language, um, and who are believing the lies that Hamas tells about how many people are being killed, so on and so forth. Um, most of this is just pure anti-Semitism, and this is giving them a way to act out their anti-Semitism. Maybe there's one or two people who are just ignorant or who just really believe that there's a genocide being committed. But I don't know who that one or two people is who are. I don't know, and you don't know. So um, I... I you know, don't want to take that energy of compassion and waste it. What I would rather do, or mercy, because I think your viewer might have been asking about mercy. I would rather take that essence, that mercy, that loving kindness, and focus it on my fellow Jews. I would rather take that compassion. They hate us, so love a Jew. They hate the Jews, love a Jew. Do the opposite of what they do. So take that compassion and forgive someone who's really maybe you feel doesn't deserve to be forgiven. 
We all have people in our lives. Everybody. I'm not even going to say one person. People have two people, three people in their lives. They don't get along with. They have an issue with. Da, 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 da. Forgive them. Love them. If you can do it with actually speaking to them, even better. If you can't love them in your heart, daven for them. Pray for them. Take that hatred and turn it into love and focus it where the love belongs. The love does not belong at Hamas. Okay. I agree. <laughs> okay. Now, I will also say, I will also say something else. In general, it's rather than hate, actively hate an enemy, it's better to um, not think too much about them except how to stop them. Much better to. And I'll tell you what, I heard something very interesting. I, I My husband and I had a discussion about it and um, it was very interesting that the the idea is, is that if we hate Hamas, let's say, we hate them, okay? Because they hate us. So the natural instinct is to hate back. Right. We are giving their SAR. What is their SAR? SAR means a ruler or a leader, but it really means they're a guardian angel. Each nation has a guardian angel. We're giving their guardian angel permission to lodge in the heavenly courts an accusation against us because the angel will say in court, okay, he'll say, look, Hamas hates the Jews, but the Jews hate Hamas. What's the difference? Okay. This moral relativism and equivocation is exactly what's going on down here in earth, on earth. We see it all the time. We see what's saying, oh, it's a two-sided thing. There are two sides. There are no two sides. There are people who want to kill and wipe out the Jewish people, God forbid. And then there's people who are just trying to stop them. There aren't two sides. There aren't two equal sides. Let's put it that way. Right. So when we hate, we're feeding in to that energy. And I'm talking about psycho-spiritual energy because our hearts are engaged in hatred. Our mind is engaged in hatred and we are creating more hatred. I'm not telling us to love the enemy. This isn't another religion. Okay? We don't have to love. Right. We have to love each other. We have to love each other. We have to love ourselves. If you're a woman listening to this and you're like Vera or like me, and you're finding yourself tortured by what's going on emotionally, it's very normal. I, I send you my empathy and sympathy, but don't allow that to turn into hatred. Instead, focus on love. That's, and, and mercy on the Jews, not on them. That's my answer to that. I love that. I really love that. I, I, I love the way that you phrased it. And I never would have thought about it that way because yeah, we do feel these negative emotions. Like I'm not denying that, you know, we do feel them, you know, and they're totally legitimate and understandable. Yeah. But instead of diving deeper into them and, and, and festering them and like growing them and thinking about them all the time so that they really, really continue to bubble in us, we can take that. It's a strong emotion. Hate is a strong emotion. But instead of focusing our energy on them, we could focus it on ourselves and each other and on and our fellow Jews and on all of Israel and the soldiers and everybody like that. And we really transform that. So we transform that negative energy of hate into that positive energy of love. Exactly. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell, thank you because you summed it up very well. And, and, you know, Vera, I will tell you that um, it, I can see transformative um, powers in women who have been um, learning a lot of Torah, I believe, especially the teachings of Rebbe Nachman, and they're coming prepared to this battle. Because they've been working on having positive thoughts, having positive feelings, connecting to themselves and other people with love for a very long time. So there's there. This is a very um, this is a, a we've been in the boot camp and now we're in the war. This is, I believe, the essence of Gog and Magog, that people have different, there are many different opinions on it, obviously, but I believe the essence of it is that um, we need to learn to love each other and the actus, the unity that we're seeing right now uh, is absolutely our strength. And we, we have to believe in Hashem and we have to believe in the tzaddikim. 
but we also have to believe in ourselves and each other. We have to believe that we're all worth something valuable. We're all precious. We shouldn't just be precious to Hashem. We're all brothers and sisters. We should be precious to each other. And when we love each other, we have the power as Jews, as holy people who pray and who are very close to Hashem. When we love each other, we have the power to bring down blessing in this world and I believe defeat hate. I believe that. So do I. That's for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it's so, so interesting because this is what I'm trying to do right now. I'm, I'm going to tell you um, something personal that I'm struggling with. Like I, I'm comfortable sharing it without names, without really, you know, giving away who, who, what, where, yeah. but yeah. this is the gist of it. Um, you know, right now, many Jews are doing everything they can. You have people who are donating money to the FIDF and other Jewish causes. You have people who are doing bake sales and raising money, you know, in different ways. You have people who are donating specifically boots and sheets and, and right. deodorant and socks and hats, you know, really specific items. You have people, you know, in Israel, uh, girls who are babysitting for families who are displaced or whose um, husband is fighting in the war. You have people, Jewish people who are really trying to contribute in any way that they can to help each other. And that's part of the love that you were talking about, loving each other. And here's my frustration, because I personally know some Jews who are doing none of the above. And really, wh why should I do something? You know, I'm not involved. I'm not, you know, I'm not connected. And I, I, I'm really, really trying. It's very hard for me. But I'm really, really trying to convince. I'm thinking about two people in particular that uh, why should I donate money? Why should I give clothes? Why, yeah, I don't understand. And I'm really trying, like, really legitimately nonstop to convince them. And it's so frustrating to me because you're Jewish. Why don't you want to support your brothers and sisters? Like, it's so simple for me. Like, just do something. You don't have a lot of money to donate. Don't. $18 is too much. No problem. Do something else. Make a card for a soldier. Have, like, just do something. And it's so frustrating for me to see other Jews not wanting to do something. So I'm so glad you said that because you are most likely not alone in this particular thing. And you're definitely not alone in, in seeing that we want other people to jump in and be part. So I will, I would like to comment on that. May I like respond to what you said? So I will tell you that I, um, that I find that Rebbe Nachman's lesson is Amra which is to focus on the good that exists inside every Jew. Again, taking your thoughts from that frustrating, genuinely, who could forgive, who could not forgive you for it? Of course, it's frustrating, but yeah. take your thoughts away and focus on what's good about those Jews. Because when we do that, it's as if it is, says Rebbe Nachman, the Russia isn't even there. He no longer exists. What exists only is that good point, that Nikuda Tova, which is the Neshama, the connection to Hashem that they have, no matter how aware of it they are, how not aware of it they are. And, and, and even to be and make excuses for them and try doing this in prayer. I want to, can I share a personal story? Please. Which maybe could, I don't know, it's, a, it's not about this particular issue, but it might be helpful. So many years ago, I helped someone for a very long time. I helped her, I helped her, I helped her. Um, she was a student who couldn't afford to attend classes or afford coaching. And I, I just helped her. My heart went out to her. And um, I, I helped her with, uh, you know, a marriage issue. And this is, this is, and I never even got a thank you. And it bothered me. I'm human. Of course. And finally, one day, I had I learn Azamra regularly. I try to learn it a few times a year. Very important lesson. Um, on 282 for anyone who's interested. And one day in my um, heat bodhidu, I was consciously talking about who I loved. And I realized that I didn't really practice Azamra and love this woman. I was resentful. And I it just hit me like a sledgehammer. How can I learn Azamra all the time and teach it for many, many years, over a decade? And here I am feeling resentful. What kind of feeling is that about a fellow Jew and whatever we see is from Hashem anyway? So who am I to be resentful? So I decided that I wanted to love her. 
So I asked Hashem, I said, please Hashem, open my heart so I can love this woman. I want to feel love for her in my heart. You know, she struggles. She doesn't know what the right thing is. She has her own issue. Who am I to judge? I got done with my photo dude. Less than a couple of minutes later, the phone rings. And it's her. She says to me, hi, Rivka. I suddenly realize I've never thanked you for all the help you've given me over the years. She said, you've helped me so much. And I really want you to know how much I appreciate it. Wow. <laughs> now, I can't say that Azara always works like that. It's not like you put in a coin and you get out a gumball. Right. But shifting your focus on these people who aren't pitching in, you might be surprised. Dolphin for say, Hashem, I want them to feel more part of the Jewish people. I want to love them. I'm looking for the good. Maybe you can help me inspire them to pitch it. Like, talk to Hashem about it. Focus on the good in them. I'm sure they have other good points. They do, yeah. Yeah, and you might see a change in them. Yes, yes. I, I'm going to um, double up on my efforts to do that because I really feel it's important. I do, and I feel like what you're saying is true. I really do. I resonate with it. Okay, good, good. Because <laughs> I don't know that it always happens. We all have these issues. Can we really get through life without feeling moments of resent, um, resentment, moments of frustration with people? No, of course, we're human. But better to train our minds to keep going back to the positive. A hundred percent. It's a training. It's not going to happen overnight. It takes so much time, but it's just, right. yeah. It does not happen overnight. You're hundred percent. Then just when you think you've nailed it, along comes someone who's going to push your buttons and test you until you can't take it anymore. And that is a gift from Hashem because when we have a Yerida, it is for the sake of an Aliyah. When we go down and have a descent, it's for the sake of the spiritual ascent. So if Hashem is sending you a huge obstacle or test, you know it's because you're ready to go up to that next level spiritually. I'm in. I hope so. I'm working very hard on my test. <laughs> you're, you're, you're amazing. You're amazing. I'm, I'm really glad you shared that because I guarantee you, myself included, every single woman listening to this knows how you feel. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So now, you know, we were talking about how, um, you know, Jews should feel about Hamas or, you know, what we should do with those negative feelings. But now we have an even more interesting question because now it gets a little bit dicey. So we know that the Palestinian culture is one of violence and hate. Like, that's for sure. So these concepts are indoctrinated into very little children at the time that, they, that they're, they're born. Like you even see pictures of little tiny, maybe two, three-year-olds dressed in um, Palestinian garb. I saw one even holding a knife, like a three-year-old holding a knife. It's just not normal. Um, they hate Jews almost instinctively. Like once they're taught from little, then, then it becomes an instinct. So now I'm not speaking about Hamas. Now I'm not speaking about the terrorists. I'm speaking about regular civilians in society, mom and pop, grandma and grandpa, like the little kids playing ball in the street. Is there a certain moral perspective that we should have about them and other, also other anti-Semitic people, including those in the United States who hate us, even though they're not outright hurting us? So these are people that are not like actually like stabbing us or killing us. They just have this hate in their hearts. So, um, so my default is for us to just turn away from them and love each other, but I will give you a, a, my opinion also. So I think that for all intents and purposes, there is no Hamas and no Palestinian people and no PA. And da, da, da. I think they're all one and the same. Unfortunately, do I think that every single Palestinian falls into this category? No, I don't. But I think most do. And I, I, think that our perspective, you know, and I, and I don't know, and I certainly, they're, you know, speaking about Arabs in general, not, not all Arabs fall into this category. Certainly not all Israeli Arabs, of course not. How Many Israeli Arabs, by the way, there's stories were actually among the rescuers and among those who were tortured by their fellow Palestinian Arabs, they were tortured for, for whatever reason, um, yeah. for being, being in a Jewish kibbutz or whatever. So, um, I think that it's important to know that this is part of the gula. In every gula, you know, we have four different exiles that we're told about, right? We have the Babylonians, we have Persia and Medea, we have um, 
we have uh, Greece, and we have Rome. What about Yishmael? So our sages tell us that Yishmael is a, always attached to the other exiles in one way or another. And there, there's a very mystical teaching that at the end, Yishmael is going to join forces with Asaf, with the West, God forbid, but I think they already have. And that they are going to want to annihilate us, God forbid. And we're shocked to see it. I, I'm not surprised. It didn't surprise me at all. Second, October 7th happened. I said anti-Semitism is going to start immediately. But it's shocking to the soul. And it's very hard for us as, as women with tender hearts, you know, women with families, women who are used to love and support and nurturing and kindness, it's very hard to deal with this hatred. Um, I don't think that our perspective should be too picky. I don't think we should work hard to differentiate. I'm sorry to say that. It's very politically incorrect, but that's, I, I don't think we should bother ourselves with that. We should assume the worst about everyone we meet that belongs to those camps. And um, and again, I want to say I, I wish I didn't I didn't feel that way. Um, and by assuming the worst, again, I don't mean that we descend into hatred. Now, I also see the videos. I also know what's going on, but I'm really trying my best to limit my negative media consumption greatly. I'm not always succeeding, but I'm trying trying like what you said, your WhatsApp group to see the positive stuff. And that is how we turn the world around. The negative is here only to distract us from serving Hashem. And if we, you know, look, I want to know what's going on in the news. And I do listen to one particular analyst um, from Israel, who's Israel-based, Carolyn Click. I, I want to know what's going on. But at the same time, I don't want the news to distract me from our Tafkid, which is to come closer to Hashem, support the Jewish people, daven for Mashiach. And if we're very busy in our heads analyzing this stuff, we we are taken away from, we could just, you know, we could just instead pick up Tehillim, pick up a book of Psalms. In all that time, we're on social media. And as a matter of fact, that's recently what I decided to do and what I'm suggesting to people is that when that negative stuff comes up and you want to do this, you want to do that, people are sending you stuff, take a break, take a break, pick up your Psalms, say a couple of Psalms or say more than a couple and see if that takes you away from the need to see the negative. And what's going on in America with the colleges and everything, I mean, is definitely no surprise to you. I mentioned to you when we were talking before we started that I used to speak on college campuses and do special programs. And this was going on over 20 years ago. This, I, this was going on after 9-11. It got very bad in 2008. Okay, that was the beginning of it getting the anti-Semitism being permissible, openly permissible. And, um, you know, it's, it's time to think about people who are sending their kids to university. It's time to think about whether you should be paying for this. And it's time to think about if your child isn't, doesn't need to, you know, doesn't need the kind of education he needs. He's going to be a doctor or a lawyer. It's like an absolute profession. Maybe go into business instead. That's, you know, that's my thought. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we, ha and we have time for one last question. Um, so can you please share with us some just last nuggets of wisdom and important points to keep in mind that will help us navigate this climate of anti-Semitism that you were talking about? Okay. So thank you for that question. Um, I, I will, how about I end with a story? Perfect. Okay. I love stories. Okay. So there's a, there's a king. It's a different king. There's a king and he's going on a hunt with his, um, with his uh, ministers and his nobles. And they're going in the woods on this hunt and they're on horseback. And all of a sudden the skies open up and they are deluged. It's an enormous thunderstorm and the forest is almost immediately flooded. 
and the ministers and the nobles all scatter, all looking for cover and leave the king alone with his horse. So the king has to look for cover alone. So he trots over and he sees a small hut, a ramshackle hut in the edge of the forest. And there lives a woodcutter, like a peasant. And he, his clothes are drenched, the king. He doesn't look royal. He's lost his crown in the, you know, in the storm. And the door opens and the peasant sees this bedraggled wet man and his horse. And he says, oh, you're caught in the storm. Come on in. Come down by my fire. Let me dry your clothes. I'll put you in some other clothes to wear. And why don't you have some kasha? That's what I'm having for dinner. And he gives him a bowl of kasha. And he says, you know, sleep on my pallet, my bed, my straw bed on the floor over here. I'm okay. I'll just sit up in a chair. You, you need to be comfortable. You were caught, caught in a storm. And so the king has the sweetest meal, the sweetest sleep. He's so happy. He's so comfortable and dry. He feels such love for this simple, simple woodcutter. Morning comes. It's a sunshiny day. The ministers and nobles find him. They knock on the door. Come on, we're coming to escort you home. We've brought your carriage and your, you know, your coach of eight horses, and we're coming to take you back to the palace. And the king says, no, I'm not going with you. And he calls a peasant over and he says, you, you woodcutter, you come with me. You sit with me in my coach and you come sit beside me by my throne because you were the only one who cared about me and who comforted me. And this is a tale of Rebbe Nachman and it's a tale of the simple Jew. When Mashiach come, comes, the simple Jew who has a simple heart, who sits and says to Hillam, who always thinks of Hashem, always looks out for Hashem, always wondering how Hashem is doing, always is in conversation with Hashem. This simple Jew is the one that's going to sit by the throne of the king. And all the sophisticated news and analysts and brilliant speakers and geniuses and so on and so forth, they're going to be looking up at this simple Jew who has a Muna in the king. Wow. I love that story. It's, it's so powerful because it's so, it's so simple. It's just us, you know? Yeah. It's just us at our core. It's every Jew at our core connected right. to Hashem. That's right. Simplicity yeah. is so important, especially when you are facing this, this deluge that we're facing. You know. Oh, 100%. 100%. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rebison Hayrifka, for joining us on America's Top Rebison's In the Meredith class, may Hashem wash over all the Jewish people and give enormous strength to the IDF soldiers, including Natan Lahayim ben Nahama, Mariah Orr about Sandra, Mati ben Mazal, Naa bat Natona, and Nachman ben Degani. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Vera.